Today's podcast is with who I believe to be the best living poet that we have in the world today. His name is In Q, and he is absolutely fire. And there is no better time than right now to listen to some of the poems that he has. And poetry, of course, should be timeless. It's art that'll speak to different parts of us at different times. And I know listening to this now versus when I recorded it, even the pieces that he's reading here hit differently, and they're going to hit you differently. And I can't wait to share this with all of you. He's a great friend, and he's got a brand new book called Inquire Within that's available everywhere. I recommend getting the Audible. It's incredible. Or get the hardcover available on Amazon. You probably won't go to the bookstore for a hot minute, but it'll be there as soon as bookstores are back open. Before we get started on the podcast, I want to give a shout out to our first sponsor, Vital Farms. Now, I'm home a lot right now. I have the Vital Farms pasture-raised eggs, and I'm having a lot of eggs. Eggs are one of the best sources of both protein and choline and the healthy fats that come from the yolks. And speaking of healthy fats, Vital Farms also makes one of the absolute best ghee products that's available out on the market. It's in a convenient squeeze tube. So when I'm making my smoothies, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much setting a smoothie record right now. I'm making smoothies all the time with all kinds of different things. And I'm really having a high fat diet because I find that this is a great opportunity to dive into nutritional ketosis. And ghee is one of the most helpful things. It's just the fat from the butter. So it's clarified butter and it's great in a smoothie. It's great in all kinds of different sauces and it's just an awesome product to have along with the eggs and along with everything that Vital Farm does from their pasture chicken to everything else that they provide. So if you get a chance, go to vitalfarms.com slash ghee, G-H-E-E. That's vitalfarms.com slash ghee and you'll be available to win a host of different prizes. So thank you so much, and I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. My man. Here we are. Here we are. What a life, right? What a life. Man, it's been cool. It's been cool to, to know you and, and be inspired by you constantly is, is like, a, you know, because I've always felt the poet inside me, but to see you reach and be and exist in such a level of mastery of it is constantly drawn inspiration out of me, but... The, my favorite part is just being your friend, man. Thank you, man. I feel the same. Way. <laughs> That's been the best. It's been the best, and you know you've supported way. so many things and the events that we've done and stuff. But yeah, it's just that's what I'm really feeling now, man. It's just like the community and the friendship, and and how like beautiful that makes every aspect of life. It's nice when you're around seekers because mm -hmm. they inspire you to be a better version of yourself by watching them seek to be a better version of themselves. Yeah. yeah. You know what, I was, I was reading this and there's so much wisdom and I've heard it in your poems, but to have it condensed in a book like you have right now for everybody listening, the book's called Inquire Within. It's out, it's fucking dope. Uh, I can't wait to listen to the audio of it. Thanks. Um, but, but like the wisdom that you have in here, like I know how I've gotten to my wisdom and it's been a relentless, a, a relentless commitment to, plant medicine, transformational journeys, you know, of course the reading and the and meditating and doing all the other things as well. Yeah. But I'm curious as to where you found such a profound spiritual understanding. Like you the way you write and the way that it expresses through you, like you know God. You know what that thing is, the mystery, Wakantanka, the universe source. I know vocabulary people have a challenge with, but like you can feel that. And like, how did you come yourself in your journey 
to really like feel that. I was literally wondering that even though we're close friends. Mm. Um, first of all, thank you. That's really amazing to hear that from you. Um, I think, uh, first of all, it's definitely a journey, not a destination. Mm -hmm. And I'm still walking that every single day. I think for the specific process of my writing, I consider myself uh, the vehicle and the obstacle to my poems. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is in the creation of it, you know, of course I'm the vehicle of the poems. So it has to come through my experiences, uh, through my perspective, through my voice. Um, but I'm also the obstacle because as I'm writing, I might write something that I think is really dope, but it's more has to do with my ego than it does have to do with what the poem is trying to say. So when I recognize that I'm being the obstacle for the actual message that the poem is trying to get through, I have to get out of my own way. And in that, you know, I am a conduit for the poem that's moving itself through me. And I know that that yeah. sounds corny to some people out there, but it's really how I view it. And then in, in the expression of it, it's the same thing. It's like I get on stage and of course it comes through my mood. It comes through like, you know, my desires, my need for validation, all of that. And those things are actually like, they can be obstacles to getting through what the actual message of the poem wants to say. So I have to be aware of when I'm becoming that and then move out of the way so I can connect to the deeper meaning and, and just be, you know, basically a shepherd for what's coming through. Yeah, I mean, that, that, makes, that makes perfect sense. It's just, it's interesting to me how you opened the channel because I get that. I get that 100%. But it feels like, because the truth, the truth that you're expressing is the truth that we know inside ourselves. Like we know that we're connected to everything mm -hmm. at some level, maybe not the conscious level, but at the deep, deep level, you know, we know that we're connected to everything that's around us, this planet, the people, yeah. the animals, like we know, and you can call that capital L love. You can call it, you can call it whatever you want, but we feel that. But it feels like sometimes you have to like pry open the lid so that you can open up the channel so that that'll actually move through you. Yeah, but prying open the lid is uh, you're, it's like suffocating something that you love because you're holding it too tight. You're trying to create inspiration. That's really way too much pressure, man. Mm. Like if I sat down at a blank page and I was like, all right, I'm just gonna create something amazing right now. Like the next thing I'm gonna create, it's gonna be so great. That's exhausting, man. I mean, and, well, and by the way, impossible actually, because I mean, the greatness comes through like a, a certain surrender. It's showing up and then letting go, and just paying attention. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't very consciously strategize my inspiration. I don't like look outside of me and think like, what does my audience want to hear right now, or what social issue would go viral. I don't create from that place. I think strategizing inspiration is one step away from manipulation. Mm. And if I'm manipulating the audience, I'm manipulating myself first. And that just is boring. But how to do me. you but how that's the thing like and that's the thing I want to keep like keep diving into mm -hmm. is I get your in, I get 
inspiration and I get expressing the human condition, mm-hmm. you know, being squeezed by the universe and then translating that emotion into art. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a natural artist. You're an artist, like a, like a painter is an artist, a musician is an artist, a poet is an artist. Like I understand the artist process, but to get yourself to the, to the, the spiritual truths that you're speaking to, you know, like you're speaking to like these deep spiritual truths about looking for the God outside us when we really, it's always within us. I mean, it's, these, these have been around, but it's hard to read them and then, and then internalize them and digest them and then put them out into anything unless you know them. And mm. that's, I think, the curious thing that I don't, that I don't think I've ever fully understood with you is like, how did you, how did you get to know that? I don't think that I do. See, that's the thing is uh-huh. I, I don't I don't own that the way that you feel that. I think it's dope that you feel that way. Uh-huh. And when other people do or they have a mirror from my art where they perceive that I have that state of whatever. Yeah. You know, I appreciate that, but I don't I don't walk around with that. I mean, um you know, for me, as I said, I try to be aware of when something either is moving to me inspiring to me or annoying to me and it pisses me off and that's where i start the poem from and if i start the poem in a place that's true then the rest of the poem will almost write itself if i give it enough time and enough space and i really mean that Mm. i just have to like start in a place that's true so you know we were rapping for like i don't know three hours before we started this podcast already (laughs) I was like joking before we started. I've literally said everything. I have nothing (laughs) left to say. But, you know, one of the things that you said when you were talking about your darkness experience was, what did you say specifically stood out at me and I called you out on it in a good way? It was about the uh, roosters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about the owls. Yeah, yeah, the roosters, the roosters call in the day and the owls hoot in the night. Yeah, and and out of your whole thing that you said, that was the thing that stood out to me as the beginning of a poem. Mm-hmm. And I just mentioned it to you because I was like, you should start a poem that way because it's, a, it's the perfect bridge into everything that you experienced in the darkness. Yeah, And that's all I'm doing with myself. The other day I was chatting with somebody on the phone and I said, literally just like out of the conversation, I was like, you know, the birds aren't singing to win a Grammy. I was like, they're not trying to go platinum. That's the beginning to a poem. I stopped Mm -hmm. the conversation. I said, hold on. I wrote it down. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I was in Bali. Sometimes other people say something and I literally will ask them. I'll say that resonated really deep with me. I said, can I use that at the beginning of a poem? I always ask because I need permission, Mm. you know, but if they give it to me, I'll take it. I was in a yoga class in Bali and the teacher, Ali Lerner, Ali Michelle, an incredible poet and uh, writer and facilitator. Anyway, she's just teaching the class and she says, there's nothing in life that you cannot breathe through except death. I said, okay. excuse me, <laughs> literally got out of my position and wrote it down. And after the class, I went up and asked her, can I use that? And she said, yes. And the rest of the poem wrote itself because it was true. Yeah. So when people think, you know, how do you come up with your material? How do you find your inspiration? I'm like, inspiration is everywhere. You're right. just not paying attention to when you're inspired. Right. 
and the resonance that comes from like you said that was true so the resonance that comes from something that's true and makes you and, and, and you feel it yeah right? and like something you, that you is true it. is universally true right what is true is always true exactly what my teacher says and maybe not to everyone at every time but well their perception of it may not agree with its truth exactly but if it's true it's always true right so i trust that if i say something that's true to me and i follow that breadcrumb trail that it it will be a mirror to some form of humanity and anybody that's in the audience i mean some people won't resonate with it but other people will and that that's enough for me mm. you know but you write this line i'm still not letting you off the hook here no man. please bring it, it says on. a piece about peace and there's a line in here it says we're chasing after god just be still and you'll discover he is in your heart yeah like that's true it's true you know like one of my friends paul check says you know if you don't like what's going on why don't you look in the mirror and complain to god yeah (laughs) yeah and i was like that's a dope line you know i have a line (laughs) universal truth i said yelling at yourself in the mirror is like yelling at god (laughs) because no matter what you say God will be waiting for you when you are done. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, man. It's just, I guess what you're saying is that these truths, these truths we have access to. And so your process is emptying your ego out of the equation, becoming the hollow bone, you know, that place where the artist receives, you know, that information, we become a conduit. I think we've all felt it in yeah. our own way, you know, but when you're a conduit you'll you'll i guess feel that truth you'll yeah. feel the truth that god is not somewhere up in the sky but god's in your heart yeah and it, and you'll just let that come through yeah and then it, really you're just you're serving as a reminder to other people by serving as a reminder to yourself yeah i mean all of these poems that i wrote in this book i mean they're just literally reminders to me to live my best life and what an amazing thing I've created for myself that I not only get to bring these into the world, but I repeat them over and over to other people and myself. Mm. You know, I write about this in the book. That there was this one time where I, you know, I went through a breakup. So I like come back to my house and I'm like, I'm going to write my breakup poem, right? So I like sit down, I'm about to write my breakup poem. And then I go, you know, let me actually like read over all of my other breakup poems first and there were nine of them not nine different women but they doubled up you know there's nine different poems so that's almost 30 minutes of material about relationships that hadn't worked out and so i read them in a row and at the end of it i just kind of realized wow i don't need to write a new breakup poem because all of my old breakup poems are applicable to my current breakup Mm. And instead, I need to figure out why I'm continuing to create the same lesson in a different disguise over and over again. And that was a real turning point for me. And what I don't explore in the book specifically, but what I'll tell you now, is is that it really made me think about uh, what my fuel source was for creating and how co-opted it had become from validation and exploration of my pain in a way where I was almost repeating the same things over and over to myself and other people. And then of course, that's what I was bringing into my life over and over again. Mm. 
And from that point on, I basically decided that I was always going to write from my pain. I mean, I'm not a proponent of like law of attraction. I mean, I believe in law of attraction, but I don't believe that everything's good all the time. Yeah, there, it's fine all the yeah. time. Everything's let's leave, fine. Let's leave the monsters in the closet. Yeah, I don't believe in that. Good. No, that doesn't yeah, work. It doesn't work. It's not the human condition. And so I want to write from my pain, um, but I always want it to be a process of alchemy for myself and for other people. And I always want to wind up on hope and empowerment. And you know, so that was that was an important moment for me to make sure that um, whatever fuel source I was using was was unsustainable and I wanted to find a new one. One of the things that you learn when something is taken away from you is how much you value that thing. And we are facing unprecedented times and there's fear about the virus, there's fear about our health, there's fear about our economic stability. But the thing that's been really denied us is our ability to gather in community. And so we're starting to appreciate how much we miss and how much we love community. And that's certainly the case for the Fit for Service Fellowship. We miss seeing each other. We miss gathering in person. But humans are adaptive. And what we've done is just double down on our connection digitally. More Zoom calls, more personal calls, more interaction online, more in our Slack channels, more in all of the ways that we're bringing our community closer together. And it's been so supportive, been supportive of me and so many of the other members as we're all becoming more individually fit for service so that we can all become more collectively fit for service. And so community hasn't gone away, it's just shifted and it's gonna come back. And when we have our next summit for this next trimester in Tahoe, it's gonna be one of the most amazing experiences for all of us because we're all gonna get together again as a family. So if you're called to join fit for service, and have the support from all the members. I mean, over one third of the members from last year formed a new business partnership. We have information on every different category of your life you're looking to improve, and the community does as well, from financial, to relationship, to emotional, to psychological, to physical. All of the experts, all of the ways, we're all gonna be coming together digitally for as long as we have to, and in person as soon as we're available to. So I encourage you guys, if you're interested, applications are now open for trimester two, starting in May. We're gonna be meeting in Tahoe in August, and I'm incredibly confident that that's gonna go through. If we have to push it, we have to push it, but I'm incredibly confident we'll all be meeting in Tahoe and all get together, listen to music, celebrate, help each other, support each other, and come through this thing stronger than when we went in. So go to aubreymarcus.com slash fitforservice if you're called to apply. And I hope to meet some of you guys on the inside. Thank you so much. It's interesting you say how universal things are. I still remember reading like old poems from Catullus mm. the, and Ovid, like the, old Latin, the old Latin poets. And I remember I could, uh, Catullus had this line like, what what someone says in the throes of desire should be written in wind and rapid water hmm. and it's just like the impermanence of the condition of that lustful longing desire it's such an impermanent condition that the words that are spoken from that condition like don't get too attached to right. what you say or what is said in those moments like the words that you can trust come from a place of grounded stillness mm. you know what i mean you know what's cool about poetry is is that i didn't fully understand what that meant when you said it but it didn't matter because it felt true to me yeah and it, you know sometimes poetry can almost you know confuse you it's like hearing a riddle 
but knowing that there's an answer. And it kind of forces you to figure out that answer. And that's what you did for me right now by mm -hmm. even just repeating somebody else's words. So there's something about something just not even sounding true, feeling true, and then having to discover what that truth is, mm. you know? Yeah. You want to give us a taste of your... Uh Give us a taste of your medicine here, man. Yeah, sure. What uh, what do you want to do? You want to do the for mom one first? Let's fucking dive into for mom. I'm oh, gonna grab shit. a snooze and we'll fucking do this. All right. What's a snooze? Tobacco. Oh, got it. I thought it was that fucking choco nut that you had earlier. <laughs> snooze. That was choco nut. It's fantastic. <laughs> Peely nuts. Shout out to Peely nuts. They're not All a right. sponsor. Yeah. I'll just hold this open in case I forget it. No one ever asked for this piece, man. I had to do this for my mom. I had to call her up and do it for her. Of course. You know, and it says for mom better. I had to make sure <laughs> I had to make sure she was okay with it. Yeah. All right. There's an eight year old frozen in your heart. I see her every time you smile. She crawls out of her hiding place and dances for a while. She's careless and she's wild, not a worry in the world. The way we all should be as little boys and little girls. Something must have happened to her, but I can't say what it is. Her secret isn't mine to tell, it isn't mine to live. Her childhood was stolen, so her grown-up is a kid. Her heart is overwhelming, so she shows up in her head. I tried to make it better, but I know I never did. Despite my best attempts, my intentions turned to shit. I cannot feel your pain for you. That only makes it worse. I cannot heal for you, but I can love the part of you that hurts. What if it was your mother, your sister, your lover? What if it was your father, your uncle, your brother? Ask yourself what you would do if you knew, if you saw, would you speak or be weak? Would you stand? Would you fall? Even if we're not the problem, it's a problem for us all. Would you write? Would you call? If you knew, if you saw, all the people frozen in her heart are starting to unthaw. There is one for every age she was convinced it was her fault. If I could only unscrew my grandfather's locked jaw, she wouldn't need to keep her shame in an impenetrable vault. It's like looking at a diamond when you're focused on the flaw. Being this close, you don't see yourself the way you are from afar. The sun doesn't know that it's a star. It just feels the heat and it burns till it's gone. I ask if something's wrong. She's calm but won't respond. The tears begin to come. Who cares where they are from? It's better out than in, and she's held it in so long. The tears begin to come. Who cares where they are from? They fall with such perfection that the witness is undone. They ripple her reflection, and she sees what she's become. There is one for every year and every fear she's overcome. She has never been a victim, and the alchemy is done. I didn't understand a man's privilege being young. 
It's hard to fight a war when you're unaware you've won. My father would have killed me, but she chose to be a mom. She chose to be my mom. I chose her as my mom. He disowned me in his will even after he was gone. He wouldn't hold me as a baby or accept I was his son. My father didn't love me, but you chose to be a mom. You chose to be my mom. I chose you as my mom. It shows in all you've done and everything you still do. There must have been an eight-year-old frozen in my heart, too. I'm sorry that I couldn't see it beyond the pain I'd been through. I'm sorry that I couldn't see it beyond my own point of view. I'm sorry that I couldn't see it, but I'm grateful I do. You will always be my mom, but it's nice to see you. What a beautiful gift to your mom. What a beautiful gift to the world. Be able to see that. Yeah, she was crying when I read that to her, man. She was really, uh, she, I guess, yeah, had a lot of emotion around it. And I did too when I first wrote it. You know, because yeah. I don't strategize the pieces, they, uh, they surprise me. Mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, so there's times when I'm writing and I get emotional because, you know, I just touched something. I wasn't expecting yeah. to go there, you know? And then all of a sudden it was, it was revealed to me. So, you know, a lot of the pieces that I wrote, especially in this book, I mean, you know, people ask me like, how long have you been writing this book? And I'm like, well, a year, My but like, whole life. <laughs> like 25 years, really. It's the first home I've ever had for my art. And um, and a lot of these pieces I've grown into, you know, like they were manifestations and, uh, it took me a while to catch up, but saying them out loud to myself and other people helped me get there. What would you say to the people who, you know, cause this is a, this is a, another one of those kind of guide stars. It's a lighthouse if we're holding grievances against our parents. If we mm -hmm. haven't seen them, if we haven't appreciated them, if we've just put the label of mom and then layered all the judgments of why they didn't live up to what we expected that label to be or what we wanted that label to be because people are people and they're imperfect. And so are we, Yeah, you know, like, what would you say to people who, you know, have this invitation now? You know, like what was, what was, I guess, your process or what advice could you give to really start to see that eight-year-old in your parents and in, in anybody? Maybe it's a lover or maybe it's a friend or maybe it's whoever, you know, someone else that you've been holding judgment against. Well, I mean, look, my particular situation, my mom's a school teacher. Uh, we grew up in Santa Monica and uh, lived there until I was around 12, actually. And, you know, Ryan and I, grew up in in basically the same neighborhood you know and uh I, we got robbed pretty bad when we were like 11 or 12 I was 11 or 12 i don't really remember to be honest but and it was very personal so my dad wasn't around at all mm -hmm. and i didn't meet him until i was 15 and uh it was like a specific beef that these people in the neighborhood had with my mom and so they fucking broke in and they destroyed everything too like mm -hmm. they you know the stuff that they didn't steal they Bro. destroyed you know they graffitied the walls they cut my mom's clothes they poured you know water on our couches and stuff like that and 
um just like i remember like coming home and just seeing the whole place you know so we ended up moving then uh after that to the other side of santa monica and i was there until i left the house when i was 18. and uh yeah i mean what i would say is is that like being without a dad always made me feel like i had to externalize my masculinity and i didn't ever really feel like i belonged or i was comfortable and my mom did an amazing job in raising me she's an incredible woman she's my hero but we missed each other a lot we didn't quite understand each other growing up so i think i never i didn't trust anybody i didn't have any mentors like male people that i was like i looked to so i remember this is a bit of a departure but i'll come full circle mm -hmm. i remember when i was like eight basically around that same age that i'm talking about my mom and i had this deal that i could reach out to my dad and i could send him a father's day card and i we always knew where he was so she wanted me to get old enough to where that was like appropriate right so i guess that was our age right, right. <laughs> so i'm like so excited about this and i have a very vague and ambiguous memory of my childhood but i remember like feeling this way this like general excitement that i had and i wrote this father's day card and i sent it to him and i would go out to the mailbox every single day and i would wait you know to get a response and we either got a return to sender or i never got a response i actually haven't asked her but i remember i was i was like crushed by sure. this and she was a big fan of beaches the movie beaches with bet midler don't not you ever hear wind beneath my wings mm -hmm. okay so she fucking leaves the house one day and I'm like really sad about this. And Michael Jordan was like my hero. Mm -hmm. He was like my father in my mind, you know? <laughs> I was like hardcore Bulls fan, even though we're from LA, you know? Yeah, didn't sure. even... So I unroll one of Michael Jordan's posters that I have. Oh man, that just brought back a memory, unrolling posters. Oh yeah. I haven't unrolled a fucking poster in a in long forever. time. Remember there, you go to poster shops that have the little things. You could look at all the yeah, posters. Yeah, of course. Big, and then you would pick out the rolls. You know, it's like a <laughs> oh, scroll shit, from man. like Shakespeare times. Does that you know? still happen? Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, man. Wow. Okay, continue. So I'm unrolling this, you know, I took it off my wall and then I'm fucking, un I, so I, I press play on Wind Beneath My Wings and I literally sang the whole song of Wind Beneath My Wings to Michael Jordan. <laughs> and in the end, I'm like, you know, fly so high in the sky. I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank God for you, the wind beneath my wings. And it was the one where he was like jumping from the sure. free throw line that with classic, his tongue yeah. out, and I literally cried. You know, so that, I, I had like, he was my everything and uh -huh. i didn't feel like i had that around me and so i made it from somebody that i would never meet you know i basically like you know created that hero in somebody else but i think all of those experiences made me uh ask questions about myself and about my environment and had i not experienced that in the same way I wouldn't have become the person I am. I wouldn't have become the artist that I am. I wouldn't be the same person that's sitting with you here now. And so I would say as a full circle to anyone who's listening to this, we're all going through the same human experience, even though the circumstances are very different. And if you've been through something that has caused trauma in your life, ultimately, no matter what it is, no matter whether or not you will ever understand it or it ever makes sense to you, 
after you go through the grieving period, which you have to go through, in the end, you wind up having a choice of whether or not you're going to live in blame and victimize yourself or find a way to be empowered by what you went through. And ultimately, empowerment has to do with forgiveness and forgiveness has to do with gratitude. And you have to be grateful for those things that happened to you because even if you don't understand them, they made you who you are. It's almost as if gratefulness, gratitude is the prerequisite for forgiveness in some ways. It is, they're, they're, they're entangled. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they're easy to separate conceptually, but in practice, you know, they're one and the same, or at least two sides of the same coin. Yeah, because yeah, if you're really grateful for everything that happened, like if I'm grateful for that time that my dad, you know, pushed me in the corner of the hotel room and yelled at me for mm. two hours, if I'm grateful for that, well, I can forgive him for that. And then I can start to see behind where his dad did the same thing and then his dad did mm. the same thing. And then this was this this chain of behavior and hurt and some eight-year-old in my father was hurt enough mm. that he hurt the eight-year-old me, you know, which is probably about that age. Maybe I was a little younger when that happened. But until until I got to gratitude for what that what that opened up for me, I don't think I could have got to forgiveness, right? You know, for that because I think it's so. Anybody who's struggling with that blame, you know, I think find the gratitude first because whatever that thing is, it gives you superpowers. Exactly. You know, and when you're grateful for what that's brought for you, and have the confidence that you can heal it in yourself, so you and take that power back. So it's not like uh, I'm broken and you broke me. If if you're in that state where like I'm broken, you broke me it's fucking hard to forgive someone for that but if right. you say like all right that was a challenge i have the power to alchemize that challenge keep what i learned but also heal all the pain then it leads you much more easily into that state of seeing them and forgiving them yeah because your superpower is your kryptonite mm -hmm. right and so uh, I think understanding that then allows you maybe to choose not to victimize yourself or blame other people. And then by doing that, you just perpetuate the same story. Mm -hmm. And then that's what you're attracted to unconsciously. And it's what you continue to attract. Um, you know, I mean, we're all just vibrating energy. So if you change your frequency, you change what you're attracted to and what you attract. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think it's a it's a complicated process and, and, and to find forgiveness and gratitude not at the expense of the grieving that I know both of us have gone through, which sure. is those negative emotions, you know, not suppressing those and pretending like they don't exist or finding ways to distract from them because then of course they just become something else, disease, or you take it out on somebody in traffic or whatever yeah. the fuck, you know? So it's almost like we just we just identify, we tracked all the way back to the first domino, mm -hmm. which is you gotta feel the feelings. For sure. And if that's rage, or if that's grief, or if that's whatever, whatever you have to feel, you gotta let yourself feel that first. For sure. And then you can then you can move to gratitude and then forgiveness, and then, or gratitude, then sight, then forgiveness. The best times, in my life for feeling those feelings is when I was able to have enough distance from them. Even if I felt completely engulfed, at least I had a little bit of distance to be able to find a way to celebrate it. You know, because this is the roller coaster that we're on, you know? And so it's like, find a way to celebrate your sadness, find a way to celebrate your rage, 
you know, because then you're not taking it so seriously that you can't see that there is some sort of a separation between you and it. I mean, there, there's two realities that we're living in. They're, they're, both of them exist simultaneously. There's the physical reality and there's the spiritual reality. And how do you hold both of those truths in your head and in your heart and in your body at the same time? Physical reality, we're both sitting here. We both have identities. Someone attacked us. We would defend our identities. We're on the couch. I feel the gravity's holding me down. You know, like everything is separate. I wrote this book, Inquire Within. Oh, look, it's in the world. It's like I can move it around now. That's weird, you know? So this is all a physical reality. And in this physical reality, I want shit. Mm -hmm. Like I have an ego. Mm -hmm. You have an ego. Like people are always talking about remove your ego. You can't remove your ego. Yeah, your luck. ego's your humanity. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you can decide though to become as aware of how you trick yourself into navigating from your ego though. And if you do that, then you can stop becoming your own obstacle and you move out of your own way and reconnect to the moment that's actually happening, you know? So, okay, in this physical reality, what does my ego want? I want everyone who's listening to this or who watches this to like me, first of all. <laughs> I'd like that. I'd like it if you guys like me, you know? And I, I can't control if you guys like me, you know? And if I do that in an, a way that's inauthentic to who I am, even if you, like, like I said this the other day, you have to be willing to not be liked to truly be loved. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise people will love me for not actually who I am and I won't even feel it anyways, right? So of course I want that. I want the book to be successful. I want people to consume my art and be positively impacted and influenced by it. You know, I want to blah, 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 live in abundance, blah, 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 you know, the life, I'm, all of it. And of course I own all of that shit. But if I operate from that place, then I'm not actually connecting to the physical world around me. And at the same time, there's the spiritual reality, which is that it's infinite in and infinite out. You know, it's almost all empty space. Almost nothing is solid from the cellular level to the universe. And we are just vibrating energy. We're literally like living in a sea of consciousness. And in that place, all this is an illusion. There isn't a separation between the two of us, mm -hmm. you know? And it, both of those things are true. You know, and how do I acknowledge that they're both true, even though they seem like they're polar opposites at the same time? And it's a, it's a various degrees of success and failure on a moment to moment basis. And it really is just that. It's acknowledging that both are true. Yeah. And that whatever, whatever ideas that say that they're not, these are just beliefs right. that we have. And you write about beliefs in one of your things like, all right, if you believe that, that it's these two things are antithetical and they can't resonate together. You can't hold both these truths at the same time. Well, that's your reality. Right. Or you change your story. Right. And be like, yeah, okay, I'm both of these things. Right. And they're both true. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I got to deal with it because they're both true. And so I can and right. I will. And it's, it is possible. That's why people have such a hard time changing their minds is because, and this is in the book, maybe this is what you're referring to, but... It's the differences between ideas and ideologies because ideas are tools that you can use that will change as your truth and your experience changes. Whereas ideologies become a part of your identity. And so to change your mind means a part of you has to die. Mm. 
And that's why people hold on so tightly to their ideologies. They just are, they refuse to make any changes that represent who they are. And in that way, you know, they can't move with the flow of life. And that's where I think for me, I'm so excited about the path of growth and learning Mm. that I actually get excited when I'm wrong. Right. You know, so I've like changed my story to be like, oh, cool. Like, When's the last time that you, there was something specific that you felt like, oh, I'm so glad I was wrong on that. And now I get to evolve in a different direction. I mean, the stories I was telling you from the darkness are all those moments, yeah. you know, where I thought like, I, oh, I, thought I, was lo- I thought I was doing the best I could for Whitney, you know, yeah. my former partner, for those of you just dropping in, but I thought I was doing the best I could for her. And I was at the time in some level, like I didn't know any better, but I thought I was doing everything I could to help her on her path. And then realizing that I actually really wasn't because I was loving what she could be instead of what she is. Right which was then patterning more shame about where she was, which was actually causing more avoidance of loving that part of her where she was, which didn't give her the foundation to actually grow. Right. And I was like, that's, you gotta, you gotta just accept that and be like, wow, I was loving you in a way that was not actually supporting you yeah. in, the, in the best way that it could. Yeah. You know, like, those moments are those moments are profound and you do have to grieve those moments i mean the amount of tears that i cried after that realization that was the first step it's the grief of like oh (laughs) look at this yeah look what i look what i participated in there's grief in letting go of our you know external and self-imposed ideologies Mm. but that's what's so beautiful about life is it's just like a never-ending journey of like shedding layers that's why when i look at people who calcify you know and they just get stuck in like who they are and what they do and where they are i'm like you know everybody has every right to live it however they want but i want to be surprised and excited by my life yeah you know consistently i'm curious what what will i dress like when i'm in my 70s if i'm lucky to make it that that far yeah you know what will i be interested in you know, and there's just like so much that continuously happens on a moment to moment basis. Right now, everything's happening. Somebody's making love, someone's getting murdered. I mean, this world is fucking wild, man. You know, and I just want to throw my hands up and and enjoy the ride. We're going to pause just a second so I can talk to you guys about Onnit's new product, Total Hemp. We're finally in the CBD game, and I'm really finding this the absolute most convenient way for me to get CBD into my body. I've had the tinctures, I've had the vapes, I've had the rubs, I've had all of the different ways to ingest CBD. The one missing component is I've never had gel caps where I knew exactly how much I was taking, and it was really easy to just put as many gel caps in my mouth, whether I'm going to sleep or I want recovery, I want the feeling of that ah, the calm that comes from the CBD. And our Total Hemp, it's sourced from U.S. sources. It has all of the best CO2 extraction methods. It even has increased bioavailability through a technology called Vesisorb. So it's one of the best CBDs that you could possibly get. And the gel caps are super convenient and they stack really well with all of the other Onnit products. So I'm just finding that it's so much easier for me to get this CBD and make sure that I absorb it. And I just feel awesome when I take it. So if you're interested in CBD, make sure you check out Onnit's Total Hemp. 
Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey and you'll save 10%. As always, once again, onnit.com slash Aubrey. And thank you so much for all your support for Onnit. We're doing our best to keep everybody possible employed and you guys are a huge part of that. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's uh, It reminds me of a couple of people when you talk about calcification. <clears throat> I can think of myself, first of all. Mm. I went into my first medicine journey my vision quest when i was 18 Mm. and i was an angry atheist Mm. because i moved from california to texas and i saw a lot of like the capital r religion of christianity causing so much shame in so many people about their own i mean fuck we're teenagers we're gonna have sexual urges but those who had indoctrinated that this is a sin and this is wrong and i'm bad you know, I'm bad because I want to have sex with somebody right. or I did have sex with somebody and I'm filled with shame. I was so mad at that. Yeah. I was like, fuck this, fuck religion, fuck this whole idea of God. Yeah. You know, and then I go do that vision quest and take the psilocybin and feel my body evaporate. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> interesting. I had a lot of shit wrong. You right. know, I was like, there is something more beyond that and like so but if i was so attached to the atheist perspective that i was the angry atheist if that was so deeply ingrained in my identity that this i i don't know what i would have done with that experience right like atheism is as much of a ideology ideology as christianity or judaism or or anything you know it's you know what what is your truth and what is your experience and by the way if you're open to having that you know then you can have the same beliefs your entire life. You could believe the same exact thing your entire life. If your truth and your experience matches that, then that's beautiful, but at least you're choosing it with freedom. You're not in like the prison of needing to believe in anything. And you're willing to accept contrary evidence and reevaluate any position you're in. You don't have to hate someone for (laughs) believing something that you don't believe. No not at all you know i remember this thing there's this video of graham hancock going to debate this egyptologist and Mm -hmm. graham hancock's theory is that all of these monoliths were built a lot longer you know before this big flood that happened about eleven thousand years ago and there's a ton of evidence and they found civilizations like gobekli tepe that have these grand like monolithic structures so a lot of evidence is there but the egyptologist was so attached to his identity of being the expert of all things having to do with egyptology that before the debate even starts he throws a fit yells and curses at graham hancock and leaves right doesn't even have the debate why well because his identity was at the precipice of he might have had to go and go like oh shit man that's that's some pretty good evidence that's a good point point. huh You know, you know what he'd say? He'd say, "Interesting." <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. That, that's cool. Thank you for expanding my consciousness. Yeah. In a moment, hopefully, I can do the same thing for you. Yeah. Because it's not one or the other. Right. You know, I mean, that dude probably wakes up every day to this day and goes, "I'm an Egyptologist." <laughs> you know, I mean, like I wake up every day and I go. Am I a poet? <laughs> I don't know. We'll, like I have decided every day to become a poet pretty much for a really, really, really long time. But I give myself the freedom to waking up one day and saying, no, I'm good. I want to do something else. And th- that freedom to re-choose it 
allows me to have that surprise and that excitement. A lot of people, they become, in the calcification word, they become, um, they, they forget that they're choosing to do what they're choosing to do. It's like all the choices that they make become obligations. Mm-hmm. As if someone else is making these choices. There's no one else here. And it doesn't matter like what your responsibilities are or what your life is. You don't have to make any other choices. You just need to have the freedom to remember that you are making the choices. Yeah. Like, because then you can have more fun and you can play within whatever roles you decide on a moment to moment basis. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that we all have to be open to. Like, let's say hypothetically, for example, you get some divine inspiration and you realize that, oh, actually, words are no longer my path. Mm. I'm going to be the hug saint. Yeah, there's a, there's a hug saint. I know there that all she does is just hug people. Yeah, right. And like, that could be a reality. And if you're flexible enough, and that comes through, and you like oh shit, I'm not a poet anymore, I'm a hug saint. You know, like I'm the hug guy. I am completely <laughs> open to being a guide on a river rafting excavation anywhere around the world. Yeah. Do I think that's gonna happen? <laughs> no. Probably not. But I'm open. Yeah. You know, I mean. That's the only place we can we can really be from, is just be willing to, to just listen and abandon all of these structures, these sandcastles that we've built yeah and just say like all right cool it's all cool interesting interesting and then and then that what that does then is it also allows me not to be and by the way i'm still figuring this out every single day you know i do not have anything figured out but it allows me then to not take my failures or my successes so seriously Mm -hmm. and my pain all of it yeah i don't feel so attached you know if this is successful amazing I'm super proud of this. I did everything I could to do justice to the poems in the book and in the audiobook. And I'm ready to have separation from this, to see it so that it can be different from me now. The art is more important than the artist is. And I want it to have its own life out there. And I want to give it away to other people. But I know I've done my absolute best. Mm. And there's nothing else for me to do now. Um, and if it's successful, amazing, man. I would absolutely love that. And if people get a lot out of it, amazing. But if it's not for whatever reason or if it doesn't live up to my expectations for whatever reason, it's not a direct reflection of my self-worth mm. as a fucking human being. If my self-worth is tied up in this thing, then I'm not taking my own medicine. Mm-hmm. So this is something I have to remind myself of. But then you know if if it does and it becomes whatever blah 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 then okay you know amazing but then i won't need to continue that in order to feel okay about adam schmalholtz <laughs> from santa monica california you know whose uncle died 4 months ago and we just found out 3 nights ago you know just different shit you know everybody's got their stories man it's like in Q, what was that? Well, my friend, when I'm 15 years old, was like, oh, you ask a lot of questions, you should be inquiry. And then people started calling me in Q, and then they started calling me Q, and I never pretty much heard my real name after that. You know, it's just a bunch of stories, man. So it's like, 
I just want to be excited and surprised by today. And another thing that that comes to mind is like you can track, if you're having trouble tracking where your identity is holding on to something, you can track where the majority of your anxiety is coming from. Mm. I mean, I'm sure that there's physical needs, like in Maslow's hierarchy has some merit in that like, all right, maybe you're stressed about where your next meal, your next paycheck's coming from, got it. Like that may not be part of your identity, that might just be part of, I need shelter and food or whatever. But when you're talking about tracking what your identity is holding on to, like for me, if I track that, all right, I can give a speech and I'll just be excited. I'll limber up beforehand and mm-hmm. it'll be like, but I, I'm not like attached to that thing in a way as when if I'm going to actually read one of my poems, mm-hmm. I can f- literally hear my heartbeat, mm. feel my heartbeat go, mm. and I'll still do it because that's my commitment to push through these things. Right. But I think that's because I've been writing poetry since I was young, like mm-hmm. really young. You know, and I've never made that a part of my profession by any means, but nonetheless, it's a deep part of my identity. So if I'm reading a poem, I'm so invested in people liking it right. and appreciating it because that's been just this long-standing identity piece. You know, so I think if people track where they're where they get uncomfortable or like where they get mm-hmm. nervous, like that's a good piece of like what your identity is holding on to. Some part of people liking you or some part of people looking at you, seeing you in a certain way. Totally. And so you can just be like, okay, this is a, this is a little guide. For you though, you, you're like a true artist and I mean that. So luckily for you, when you read it, you have that hit of I wanna be liked and I wanna, and I can relate to that, of course. Mm-hmm. But when you write it, you don't. No. I know when you write it, you connect to that deeper part of yourself internally and externally. And that's where your material comes from. That's why I'm committed as your buddy that I want you to put out a book. So I'll say that right now in front of whoever's <laughs> listening. I want you to put okay. out a poetry book. You have a bunch of stuff and I think people would love to hear it. I would love to hear it. And uh, and when the time is right and only you will know, yeah. I want you to bring that into the world. All right, so it is done. Cool. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, man, it, it feels <clears throat> it feels right, you know. And I and I feel more of that coming. It's the source of poetry is a funny thing because pain, love, like it comes from it comes from the substrate of something that's that you feel, mm-hmm. you know. And I think I spent a while just in this kind of. St- it was just kind of this weird, I, I had built up so many defenses mm. that I, ha- I was like an armored tank. Mm. You know, like if you, think of a, if you think of the great poet, like look at, think of like a medieval poet, right? You don't imagine him through his fucking helmet visor, mm. you know, spitting a poem. Like when you think of him reading his poem, he's got his armor off, he's right. by a fire, or he's like with his lover in bed or he's with there, he's like, he's de-armored. Right. And I think as I feel this de-armoring happen, you know, which can happen briefly in these moments of inspiration or pain or different things where you feel really vulnerable, but as I feel this de-armoring happen, it's like, oh, more stuff is coming through. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, what I'll say though is, is like, let's say, you know, if I do like, uh, depending upon my audience, right? You know, if I go and do a juvenile center or something like that. I'm gonna start with pain that people can relate to because Mm -hmm. it's almost like in a situation like that, oftentimes the kids will need to hear something that they can see themselves in in order to trust me. Yep. 
you know, if I come with my armor completely off, <laughs> they'll be like, this dude doesn't understand me. I'm not going to, I don't trust him. Yeah. And then they won't be willing to step into whatever their next stage of True. vulnerability is. So it's important for people to see people that they don't perceive as without the armor by the fire, you know what I mean? Because then they can go, oh, okay, well then I'll take my own Well, it's step. like the fact that we've had the armor helps right. people identify where we're at, but writing from within the armor is hard. Right, that's true. You know, so you're writing about the it armor. Echoes. Yeah. <laughs> Never gets out. Yeah, so like you're writing, you have to write about the armor so people can understand that you've once been armored. Right. But to write about the armor, you gotta get outside of the armor. It's like describing the outside of the jar when you're in the jar. Mm. You know, you can't really describe it. So mm. like, we don't know about our armor until we shed our armor and take a look at it and be like, wow, I was wearing a lot of fucking weight. I have worn a lot of weight. We all, we both yeah. have. Yeah. Know, I think I think everybody here listening has. Yeah. You wanna give us another piece? Sure. Um, you know what I'll do? I'll do this, uh, I'll do this piece that when we did the workshop in Austin, mm -hmm. um, you came up to me afterwards and you were like, oh, you really resonated with that particular piece. So mm -hmm. I thought about it as I was coming in here today. Right before I die, I'm gonna tell a joke so that everyone at my bedside can laugh before I croak. Most depart on somber notes, but life is serious enough and we take our seriousness so serious for what? Just because we're serious doesn't mean we're tough. It requires more courage to laugh when times get rough. Because laughter doubles as an outlet. If energy is stuck, it can disrupt your pattern long enough to shift how you look. And when you shift how you look, you shift how you look. That way, People see you differently and it changes shit up. The glass is either half empty or half filled up. I'm just grateful that I have a cup. So many brag about how they don't give a fuck because they have no fucks to give. Me, I give so many fucks that you would think I'd have none left. But my fucks are exponential, so I'll give until my death because I'll have infinite fucks until my very last breath. And that's when I'll tell my joke. And it will be so good that the waiting room will laugh like they never knew they could. And they'll have to tell their friends. And their friends will laugh too. And pretty soon the whole city will be laughing at the truth. And they'll laugh until they cry. And they'll cry until they scream. And they'll scream until they love. And they'll love until they dream. It was just a little joke. I didn't know what it could mean. It was just a little joke. Now the joke is on me. Because the laughter was contagious. So it spread across the land. My punchline was so outrageous. People couldn't even stand. They started rolling on the floors. They started giving up belief. They started begging me for more, but I was already deceased. It didn't matter, rich or poor. Forget the languages they speak, because the heart can understand. So it rippled through the streets, and they laughed beyond their fears, and they laughed beyond their grief, and they laughed beyond their wars. They laughed themselves right into peace. We are pieces in the puzzle, but we've never seen the box. We're addicted to the struggle. It's a fucking paradox, but I put that in my joke. So the irony was obvious. 
a deathbed roast. My clarity was so hilarious that everybody choked. Then they laughed about the choking. It was universal dope that humanity was smoking. They were high on their emotions, overwhelmed by their devotion. They heard the laughter coming from the mountains and the oceans. They heard the laughter coming from the skies and trees. Even the universe was laughing as it fell to its knees. <laughs> and right then, the laughter stopped. It was almost all at once. At first it was a shock. The transition was abrupt. But eventually they settled in, united in their work. They had a lot to do together as they built a better earth. I never saw it happen, but I was praying that it did. I held my wife and kids' hands as I closed my eyelids. And I dreamt about this world and the things we could create. If I could find the right joke before my soul evacuates. So I opened up my mouth, but I had nothing left to say. So my joke was in the silence as I slowly slipped away. <laughs> when I die, I imagine it will be like waking up from a long dream. I will stretch my arms and look around at all that was unseen. A world beyond the world our five senses perceive. My identity will be gone, yet somehow I'll feel relieved. It's always gotten in the way of the connection that I crave. Now that everything is energy, I gladly ride the wave. It's easier when you don't have a self. You never misbehave. Plus, you never have to do the simple stuff like shit and shave. And you never have to worry about the money you didn't save. Up here, everything is free. And the moment is what pays. See, without the world of form, there is nothing to protect Everyone is one, so love is not something that you project. It is all there is. Life was made to marvel at itself. I see that now that I don't have to play the cards that I was dealt. Man, this place is so serene. It's ideal in every way. I can manifest ideas out of formless balls of clay, but since thoughts become reality, there's nothing to convey, so I'm silent to myself throughout my non-existent day. And infinity is watching when I close my eyes to pray, because even God prays to God, as crazy as that is to say. Plus, I'm not confined to time. Therefore, I'm early when I'm late. Because my body has no boundaries for my spirit to escape. I am everywhere at once, undefined by any shape. The only rule I have is don't consume more than you can create. See, when you die, you download your hard drive and get erased. You become the empty space, and your memories and dreams echo endlessly in space. A collective clean slate. Life can only transform. It can never be replaced. And from this view, I look at you and think, it's fun to watch you chase. Secretly, sometimes, I even wish that I could take your place. I kind of miss the ups and downs. 
all the triumphs and mistakes, the science of the human state. There's a language to the universe, and most times it takes us lifetimes to translate. Then we can learn to speak our fate, to compassionately love or to compassionately hate. But the dichotomy is vast, so the suffering is great. We don't remember life's a mask, so we're dying to escape, and we're living to escape. And the pressure gets so heavy, we don't even want to wait. Getting crushed under the weight, we're so impatient that we try to bust the lock on heaven's gate. But there is no lock on heaven's gate there is no line there is no weight there is no list for us to make there's only bliss and only grace and knowing this is kind of laced i want to borrow someone's face i want to have amnesia too so i can take the ride like you and in an instant i'm being pushed into the light i almost fit but not quite i hear a woman scream and fight I try to help with all my might. The doctors pull me into life. I open up my eyes to sight. The room is big and bright and white. The nurses clean me with a wipe. They label me a gender type. I can't remember why I came. And then I hear her say my name. And suddenly I feel an overwhelming calm. They wrap me in a blanket and place me in her loving arms. And for a moment, I'm alive and I know I belong. I look into her eyes, and once again, I meet my mom. I love you, man. I love you too, buddy. Well, that pretty much encapsulates life <laughs> in a beautiful way, man. Thanks, man. That perspective of thinking of, thinking of us beyond our identity thinking of us in that discarnate state is such a valuable perspective to be able to look back and just look and that's i think what everybody's talking about when they talk about being the witness you know like all the great buddhist teachings all the great mystical teachings well the witness comes from that place of the unborn and the undying mm. and then you know looking at it from there and then figuring out like alan watts talks about too that you'd that you'd want to dive back in and forget and experience all like that's such a it's like a perfect place hell yeah but nonetheless it being perfect there's some part of you that would miss the crazy forgetting and remembering and all of the things that you wouldn't have with that perfect equanimity and and grace yeah. of that place someone asked me this the other day i'm gonna ask you the the question they asked me was what would you do if you had one minute left to be alive what do you think what would be your i mean i'd hug both of you guys for sure mm. and i'd i'd tell you to tell my mom i loved her mm. and that the world that i loved it and then i did my best and that's beautiful <laughs> so if i had one minute left to be alive and i was with you guys i would that's what i would do i would do the same thing with both of you guys if i was alone and i had a phone I would call my girlfriend and I would call my mom. I don't know how it's but 30 seconds a piece. That's ridiculous. But I would, I would, I would voice want memo, 50 seconds, text <laughs> message. That's the strategy. <laughs> I would just want them both to know I loved them. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. But if I was alone and I was like in a pasture somewhere and I didn't have a phone, or even if I was just right here, I would really want to look around and I would 
I would want to fear feel the, like the air all around me. Mm. I would want to take a breath like you know the breaths, the conscious breaths that we did before we started in our practice. I would like want to look around at all of the colors and mm. the shapes, you know, the the touch of everything, you know. Life is fucking amazing, dude. And we take it for granted almost all the time. And you see kids, you know, kids are just fascinated by everything. You know, it's because they're still discovering life. If you took a keys and you put it in front of a baby, they'll just be like, you know, they're just so amused and interested and fascinated by every single thing. And yet we get to this place where we feel like, well, this is just what it is. And then we forget how fucking amazing it is to be alive. Mm -hmm. And that's why we were talking about earlier, celebrating everything, you know, all of it, because what a gift it is to be here. And if I had one minute left, I would really wanna be here. And I think that that's a reminder for hopefully the rest of my life, you know, whenever I fall off track, it's just to remember to plug back into this moment, not bring my projection from the past into this moment, not bring my manifestations into the future, into this moment, but to really be here with you and the reality of what's going on and appreciate this moment. Because there's so much information here yeah. that if I really drop in and connect to it, um, I can learn. You know, one day I'm going to release, there was a video taken when I took my mask off after the darkness. Mm. I've been in the darkness for six days straight, hadn't seen a thing. And they took, they led me down with my mindfold mask on and there was sunset on this pastoral landscape in Sachbenwald in Germany. It was beautiful. And you could see all the way to France, you mm. know, from where I was. And I took my mask off and saw for the first time and it, for the first you know 30 seconds it was wonder just pure wonder mm. and then there was this intense intense grief mm. and the grief was knowing that i've been looking at this same thing and never seeing it with these eyes mm. that i'd lived 38 years well probably when i was a kid i did look at it and i've had brief moments where i've looked at it through those same eyes but the majority of my life i'd spent looking at sunsets, looking at beautiful people, looking at beautiful things and not appreciating them to a fraction of right. what was possible. And I had to I had to grieve. I had to grieve that reality. And I think that's something that makes people scared of of like really acknowledging how good it is. Yeah. You know, because you have to grieve the past where you didn't and then you also have to reconcile and deal with the fear that you're gonna have to let it go too. That's right. So it's a lot safer. You don't have to judge the past That's and you right. don't have to worry about letting go in the future if you just don't ever feel that good. Right. You know? But we all, that's the crazy thing is we all have to give it all up in the end, right? We all go through the same journey to a place that we don't fully understand. Mm -hmm. We have ideas, we have beliefs, we have ideologies, but none of us who are here really fully know what it is on the other side of whatever that is in between even, you yeah. know? So um, 
yeah, why why wouldn't we find a way to live it to the fullest? It's you the know? only way. It's the only way. It's the only fucking way. But it's that's the thing. I actually think that that is that is the greatest the greatest fear that we have. And uh, what I've tracked is afraid of loving things to their fullest capacity, mm-hmm. knowing that we'd have to let them go. I hear that. You know, like that that idea it's so much safer yeah to just not quite love them not receive love or give love or have that appreciation not quite let yourself because we all know right that we got to let it go and sometimes it happens faster than others and we've all had those experiences yeah. where things are good and then things are not good right you know this relationship's amazing it's not amazing you know so we get these kind of like mm-hmm. <laughs> the tug of war the tug of war of that yeah. thing and so that patterns on the micro level but then there's this just macro truth where at some point we all realize we're going to die and we understand what dying means and it means the end of everything it means the end of our bodies it means the end of everything that we've known in mm-hmm. the manifest reality and so if we really love that then we have to be willing to let it all go but it's so much sweeter that that that's that is the end i mean if if that wasn't the end then we would have no comparison point mm-hmm you know, maybe that's what happens on the other side, you know, as I explore on the poem, but I, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, but maybe that's what it is. You you get up there and it's perfect, but but if it's perfect and there's nothing else, do you even know what perfect is? I mean, do you even know what time is if there's no time? Do you even have a sense of, I mean, it, I just, there is something so sweet about knowing that it's going to end, you know? I yeah i mean i i really i try to live that yeah it's like it goes to that that question of like why if all is like if all is god and all is and god is expressed in the unicity in that one note where everything contains everything but it's inseparable and indistinct why why the world breaking it all into all these experiences and the mystics have said it's so god can know himself or god know itself right and and you know by breaking it all out into all of the different parts so you get to experience each thing individually it's like if you had a plate of all the best food or and you got all the appetizer courses you got the dessert course you got the main course you had everything else you're like, well, I'm going to eat all this shit anyways. Put it all in one bowl. Give me a big spoon. I'll stir that shit up and I'll eat it. You wouldn't like, know the difference. <laughs> it's like, that's it not going to be the best meal. Yeah. You know, you want the fucking burrata. You right. want the spaghetti. Burrata's you fantastic. Want, yeah, you want, the, you want the cheesecake. You want yeah. the tiramisu. You want the coffee. You want all those things as their things. Right. So you can really appreciate them. If you put them all in a blender, you'd be like, maybe it'd be all right. But if that was the meal that you had every time, even if it was great, you'd want to like... Or even like, you know, a combination of those things. Like my girlfriend and I last night, we were just discussing this. You know, she's vegan and I've gotten down to, I'm just fish at this point for mm-hmm. like six months or something like that. And, uh, but I went in last night, I was coming home from a thing and I went and I got a bean, rice and cheese burrito. <laughs> that was it. I don't remember the last time I've just had that. You know, I'm always like I, with the chicken and the sour cream and the <laughs> lettuce and the salsas. And, you know, I mean, I would just pack everything I could possibly pack. And, and I, we were talking about it. There's something really, really nice about just that. Yeah. Because I could actually taste all three ingredients, to your point. So, you know, there's something to be said about the thing on its own or a few small combinations. So you can still taste 
all of those things and that is what life is Mm -hmm. you know in in any moment you can you can have the sweetness and the sadness and the laughter you can have you know what i mean but it's it's nice to experience them on their own and the combination but you can only really do that when you're here i think and that's the perspective shift that's why like we were talking about this earlier like when as long as you're feeling something you can judge that as good right even if it's sadness even if it's like i'm feeling something and if you're feeling something there's a beauty to that and i think that's the poet's mentality you know Mm -hmm. there's the stoic mentality that's whatever obstacle is the way forward will have me grow and then there's the poet's mentality of like yes true and if i'm feeling it it's also beautiful because i'm feeling it right and the only thing that's not you know that i think both of us anybody who has that kind of poet's mentality the only thing we don't like is when we don't feel anything the depression yeah because the the depression depression apathy they're all bound up together and it's like it doesn't fucking matter yeah for many many years i felt like i was walking around the world with a wet blanket wrapped around me and i just couldn't quite let anyone in or couldn't quite touch anyone or really be with anyone and that i think is why i was saying that earlier about the one minute thing it's not like just something that i say although it is something that i say but it's not it's 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 because i actually feel it i i i want to be in the world and i feel that there's still very many layers that are separating me and it's an infinite thing you can just i can keep knocking them down so that i can be more and more in the world with people Mm-hmm. um and that's a beautiful thing that's mm-hmm. exciting for me because we got i mean it, it it is exciting because you just have to get a taste you know for the people who are feeling in those and they feel like they haven't felt it like that's one of the reasons why i've loved these medicine journeys and mm-hmm. they've been so helpful is they've given me a taste you know like when i do when i've done mushrooms and been on a mountain somewhere yeah like i see that mountain and in that way and it's so fucking unbelievably beautiful Mm. or like wachuma in the jungle or on the beach you see things in this way that it's overwhelming Mm. how amazing it is a leaf Mm. can like dazzle your mind and you can just contemplate the beauty of it and the way the veins go through and the way it's all yeah a leaf is fucking magical a leaf man is amazing if you really look if at you... a leaf <laughs> yeah or an ant on a leaf uh-huh man you man. know uh you know what my therapist said the other day which is a bit of a departure but it's kind of interesting based on what we were talking about earlier with uh unconditional love is he was talking about a mountain and he said the word respect is an interesting word because what respect actually means is accepting something as it is. So it doesn't even mean you have to like it. Mm. It just means you respect it. So he said, I, you know, you respect the mountain, for example. You know, mm. like it might be in your way or whatever, but you, you respect it. It is what it is. And I think respect is uh, necessary for unconditional love you're not trying to change the thing that you it's respecting it completely is there anything that we can't respect there's things that i well first of all there's many things that i can't respect yeah (laughs) i don't know how yet or yeah i just don't well i don't know which one or both but um but i will say like in relationship friendship family romantic there are things that are not negotiable for me 
you know, in the connection that I have with the person. Boundary. Yeah, exactly. And this was another thing I realized. Someone doesn't have to understand my boundaries in order to respect them. I, for many years, have been trying to explain to people what my boundaries are. And in that way, I'm trying to convince them to understand where I'm coming from. You know, see me, you know, see it from my perspective. Who cares? Why does anyone need to understand me? Just fucking, I have a boundary, respect it, we'll move on, mm. you know? So that's been, a, that's been a nice transition for me. I've applied it in a bunch of different areas of my life. Yeah, accepting what is, you know, and then respecting it. You think of something that's, that's horrible, like cancer. Right, because you have to then acknowledge your impotence to change a situation you're out of control to change something who wants to feel that way i would think if i used to think if i just said it in the right way or if i just did something if i showed them yeah you know yeah i think that i think respecting i think there's a way to respect everything Hmm. doesn't mean that you have to engage in it you can still have boundaries and say like like i respect that i respect war i respect these things i don't engage and agree but i accept and i think there's an interesting it's hard it's really hard because we have so many ideas about what we want to be what should be and and some justification for Mm -hmm. some of this stuff as well like this is fucked up yeah you know but then it in some way like respecting it accepting it and then still working to change it is all still possible too. Like mm. you can respect the mountains in your way, still climb that motherfucker. Right. You can respect that racism is still a thing and work to unwind that fucking thing. Right. You know? But I, it seems like it's possible to have that kind of acceptance and still move. It's not like I accept and then it's passive. Mm-hmm. There's like a, res- there's an acceptance and then there's an active response. Yeah, I mean, the I think there's, there's the there's the micro level of that, and then there's the macro level of that. So there's there's personal relationships, and then there's uh, uh, societal issues. Mm-hmm. You know, and even I mean, in the book, I mean, the the cover obviously is uh, you know the branches of the tree, and then the roots mirror it. But if you turn it to the side, it's lungs, and so the two halves of the book are inhale and exhale. So inhale is uh, the personal poem. So it's like my own uh, poetic hero's journey. And then exhale is the social and political pieces. So, you know, change yourself, uh, change the world. And I think, I mean, look, all of my poems have always been uh, like living, breathing documents for me, basically. Like they've evolved as I've evolved. I've showed up, I've performed them, and then I would basically disappear. Um, and so I think collecting them all into one place, I've had an opportunity to see in some ways what I've been trying to say all of these years. And I think ultimately it boils down to uh, this uh, modern culture, this consumerism that is constantly like attacking us has basically like trained us to look outside of ourselves for the answers, you know? And so it's like, if I don't know something, what do I do? I look on Google or I like look on YouTube or something like that. And while technology is an amazing tool, you know, who knows who's gonna listen to this, how it will 
actually like land for them. But we're doing this right now and then it just goes out. It's very difficult to quantify, you know, how technology expands our ability to connect. And yet simultaneously, it's made us more disconnected than we've ever been in the past. People are more isolated. They're uh, more disconnected from their communities, from themselves, from their internal true voice. Um, and so I think that's why I called this Inquire Within, because there's a difference between us using these tools of technology and then these tools using us. And if anybody is listening to this and they have something specific that they're going through right now and they can't figure out what the answer is, of course, you can uh, ask a friend, you can consult a coach, which by the way, I think coaches are amazing. Like I have a therapist. I don't know who the fuck is judging therapy in 2020. It's like, you don't want a fucking coach for your life? What's wrong with you? But okay, fine. You don't have, you know, you can do that. You can, but here's another thing you could do. Just be by yourself. Mm-hmm. like you did mm-hmm. just take some time darkness is a hell of a coach yeah i'm scared of that boy <laughs> what you did is amazing to me i really it's truly remarkable what you did but i mean even people think that they need to be with other people to feel less lonely you could be in nature nature could make you feel less lonely it's just about sitting by yourself without all of the devices and allowing the noise of the modern world to fall away so that you can hear that one true voice rise because that is the voice that's going to tell you where you need to go, what your purpose is and what your passion is. And so that's why I inquire within. I had to inquire within myself to make these poems. People have to inquire within the pages and hopefully inquire within themselves because I want this book to be a window for people to hear their own true internal voice. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, when people do that, and then I think when they hear that voice, then they and they're in the flow, and they start to love themselves. They'll start to love each other. They'll start to not feel lonely. They'll start to create this catalytic response that'll mm. be exponential. Mm. That will actually potentially save this beautiful game board that we got here mm. called Earth. Mm. You know, before we have to scrap it and start again. Yeah, I wanted to. Do the, I wanted to. Um, what was it? Was it chain? No. What was the what was the other one I requested? I think you said high tide. High tide, yeah. Because that one talks about truth. And uh and I think that one would be I'd love to hear you recite that and That's use the that short as, one, right? It's a pretty short one, yeah. yeah. Here it is, yeah. High tide. Do you one. have any poems to read? I didn't come prepared with them. I could go I could go find some. Yeah, do you wanna do you wanna rap a little bit? Yeah, man. Sure. I'd love to hear some of your stuff as well. Let me find High Tide. Okay. The universe doesn't respond to a lie. No matter how hard you try, the truth will not be denied. It doesn't judge and it doesn't choose sides. It just attaches to the frequency and matches the vibes. The universe doesn't respond to a lie. It's the space in between where the stars live and die. There's a black hole sitting in the iris of my eye, so it sucks the world in and then gets lost in my mind. The universe doesn't respond to a lie. It connects, then reflects to the deeper truth inside. I'm a sandcastle, but I fell in love with high tide. 
And if she takes me away, it's all a part of the ride. <laughs> I love that one, man. One of the journeys that I've been on really is understanding like getting closer and closer and closer to radical truth because I mm. believe if you trust truth, you trust God. Mm. You know, and if you trust and if you think lies and deceptions, that means you don't trust God. You don't trust the universe. Right. You know, God universe, I use those two as synonyms. You just don't trust the universe if you don't believe your truth. Because if you're a part of the universe, like you said, like the universe doesn't respond to a lie. If you're lying to yourself, you're lying to God. Yeah. You and know. you think that's going to work? Yeah, exactly. You think that's going to result in the best <laughs> outcome? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. But, <laughs> but you see it over and fucking over. Yeah. And there's subtle, subtle ways, subtle little deceptions, subtle little manipulations. Like, like we were talking earlier, I, we have a good friend mm -hmm. and his, he had an impression of me. Mm -hmm. And he was like, ah, oh, man, it's just something that wasn't quite right. And some of that was his, but some of that was me because I wanted him to like me. Of course, everybody meets in the middle. Yeah, you mm -hmm. know? And so, but that was just a perfect opportunity for me to go like, huh, I could be more truthful. Yeah. I could be more truthful in every one of these encounters. And I've seen the struggles, my own, like, and look back at my own struggles and see how I've, you know, shaded things for my own benefit, my own desires, my own lusts, my own greeds, my own things, even in subtle ways. I mean, I've fortunately had a, at least a fairly strong moral framework that's prevented me from the blatancy of You're some of these lies. <laughs> but nonetheless, there's levels. Yeah. There's levels to trusting truth and yeah. levels to trusting, therefore, trusting the divine yeah you know like trusting the universe yeah and i think when you st you start to see it work like the more truthful you get the more the universe starts to respond yeah totally i mean i i'm i'm the same person that i was when i was really fucking miserable man and i was miserable for a long time dude i struggled for a really long time i've lived a lot of lives in my life you know i've i've played a lot of different roles i've had a lot of different masks and uh you know sometimes when you're wearing those masks or you're in that momentary truth you can um you can make a wrong decision that that you have to live with for a really long time um so you know but now that i've gone through that and i'm i'm sitting here with you now like i'm the same person mm. you know but i see everything very differently what are the points that test that test your your faith in truth and therefore test your faith in the universe? When are you when are you most compelled to put a little spin on something? Now? Yeah. But what do you mean by spin? Well, like to, to I... bend the, to bend the truth for your own for your own gain or for your own avoidance of something that you would, you know, some aversion that you have. It really, it really actually comes back to that thing that I said earlier that was talking about writing, but it has to do with life too. It's being the vehicle and the obstacle, you know, and it has to do with acknowledging that. And just the acknowledging of it is oftentimes the solution, you know, and I don't know if I'm being as clear as I want to be. What I mean is, is that like, what I was saying about wanting people to buy the book or wanting people to like me, whatever the fuck people want. Everybody wants something. You go on a date. What do you want? You want to get late. You want to, everybody wants, they yeah. mirror each other. Everybody's wants something in a moment. And, you know, they want to be witnessed. They want to be validated, they, blah, blah, blah. 
And it's just acknowledging that to, to myself. So truth with yourself And then first. maybe saying it to you or saying it to whoever's listening so uh -huh. that they actually go, okay, well, cool. And then I go, okay, cool. And then we can meet in the middle rather than this thing that's unsaid that I feel I know is there and I hide from it. <laughs> I pretend it's not there. Well, it takes a lot of energy to pretend. It takes a lot of energy to like hide. It takes a lot of energy to carry that armor we were talking about earlier. Rather than just saying, yeah, it's something, I'm a work in progress. Here I am, you know, but here I am. And then I can actually be with people. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta get to that awareness of the truth of yourself because we hide the truth from ourselves so much. That's right. You know, because the ego will play all of these different games to obscure some truth. So we, because we wanna be in truth, so we'll rationalize or we'll hide or we'll avoid looking at that so going back to that same situation i go to meet somebody that i really want to like me because i admire their work and i'm right. excited about that it doesn't mean that i have to go out to them and the first thing i say is like hey by the way man i really i really no. admire your stuff and i'm just gonna i really want you to like me and blah 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 like yeah. no i just got to be honest with myself with and then be honest with myself first and be like all right man you're about to meet somebody and you're going to really want them to like you Right. And that's going to cause you to want to try a little extra hard. Right. So just be mindful of that. You know, like be mindful of that and do your best. That's more than enough. <laughs> there's, a, there's an energetic layer that drops where you don't have to try to pretend like that doesn't exist within yourself. Yeah. And then just the awareness of it allows you to notice when you're doing it so that you can kind of stop it and then reconnect to what's actually happening. That's why meditation is the gym for letting go because you're literally just practicing. You know, I've been meditating twice a day for over four years now, and that's all it is for me. I'm practicing letting go of my thoughts, letting go of my emotions over and over again so that I can do it in life. Yeah. You know, so that when I get that trigger in life, I want something where I, I can just acknowledge it and then let it move away so I can actually be here again. Because to actually live in a space where you don't have preference, is virtually impossible it's a, it's uh it's a never-ending quest and and it's like you know it's like a, like if somebody said what do you want i want more <laughs> there's never an end to more you know if yeah. more is your goal <laughs> you know it's the same thing it's like you know you want to like be perfect all the time if that's no it's a ne you're never going to be able to so it's just acknowledge Mm -hmm. acknowledge your preferences yeah yeah i prefer to be in pleasure versus pain i prefer to be in all of these things and and i think that's the that's really the it's almost like that's 90 percent of the whole fucking thing right is to just really be aware of what you're afraid of and what you crave right you know and then if you get that and you really accept that and you love those parts of you that want this thing and then then there's a at that point then you can make a choice but but until that point you you have no agency right you're being you're like a bull with a ring in its nose and someone is pulling you either away from or towards something and you don't even know it you're the puppet and the puppeteer <laughs> yeah. and you're everyone in the audience that you're doing the show for <laughs> <laughs> oh man but how glorious that we get to do this you know yeah it's amazing i feel like we've been hanging out for like a month and a half like literally we came in we were rapping for three and a half hours before we even started the podcast 
and uh, and we're we're still still barely scratching the surface. Yeah. If you okay, so hypothesize this scenario. Let's say you've lived your life. You go back into a place where you still maintain memory and a recognition of your last identity, and maybe you have access to other identities. But let's just say, for this sake of this hypothetical, you just pass through. You have access to the memories of your life. You're in that place where you're perfectly connected to everything. That place that you talked about in your poem, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and you're looking back, and you're looking back at the earth, and the earth has changed, and it's still. You know, it's got the beauty, the beauty and the ugliness. You know, the the ecstasy and the gnarliness, like all of the different things. Like, how many, how long? I mean, in time, obviously, may not exist there, but let's say, like, there was some sense of time still. Mm-hmm. Like, how long do you think you would it would take for you to just take some breaths and chill before you'd be like, "Ah, oh, fucking, I'm going back in." I mean, however long it would take you know the time of that wouldn't even exist right so right who, so let's so, so you have to assume that there is time so let's say that time exists uh-huh so that you that you're you're just chilling there <laughs> here's what i know i would want to come back as much as i could <laughs> yeah i really would man yeah man and that's why it's like for forgiveness there's gratitude because everything that's happened to you no matter how crazy it is and i know by the way that that's super easy for me to say like I'm very aware of that. Yeah, we're super blessed. So blessed, unbelievably blessed. And people are suffering in ways that I can barely imagine, you know, let alone having ever experienced it. I'm very aware of that. And there's problems societally that we need to address that are much bigger than my personal experience. Um, but also everybody ultimately has to be the master of their own destiny. And we all have to make a choice of how we want to live our life. And that part is personal responsibility. That's beyond anything in our culture or laws or culture, you know, society, whatever it is, political system. Um, And I personally am choosing to find gratitude in everything that I have experienced, in everything that I'm experiencing, and everything that I will experience because that's the only way to be empowered and uh and so that's what i would wish for anybody listening to this is that they find a way to be empowered you know because you living your best life that's the thing that's going to change the world Mm. you know i was uh i was having a conversation with east forest who is actually at the malibu Mm -hmm. summit that we were at for fit for service i had to go to india and i missed him Oh yeah. I wanted to stay and yeah. I, he's I, I he's an amazing leaving. dude. And just beautiful, you know, musical medicine for the world and mm-hmm. his ideas and, and everything that he shares. And he, we were talking and, and he was like, Yeah, I love it, but I don't know if I'd want to come back. Mm. And I'd be like, Yeah, but bro, like imagine we're up there and we're looking down at the earth and the earth suffering and the earth like and we love we love the earth mm-hmm. you love the earth now of course you'd love the earth there like you're saying that if we were in this same hypothetical scenario we're talking and i'm like east check out the earth like they could use us mm-hmm. do you really think that if i was like yo man check this out like we could do some shit down there do you really think you'd still look down there and be like nah, they'll figure it out or would you go like yeah you're right man let's fucking go even if it hurts us a little bit like let's go because it's 
it's worth it because we got something to give mm. you know we got people that we can touch we got we got hearts that we can open we got smiles that we can make we got you know the earth that we can contribute to in a positive way mm. and i think that would that for me is the most compelling thing that i think would want to draw me back sure i'd miss tons of stuff right but like if i was if i was up there chilling and i was like looking down with that purview on the planet and still saw people suffering i don't think i could hold that long and be like yeah i'm good yeah y'all figure it out <laughs> i think that's amazing and beautiful i think i'd be up there like hummus <laughs> or like avocado i want to have that bean rice and cheese burrito again and i would want like i don't know i mean that's it. i'm obviously being funny right, right, but right. like yeah man i just think and i also think you know everything that's happening with the virus and stuff and uh you know we've talked about that there's obviously we only really kind of delved in into it for a quick second there's a lot of like uh fear porn out there right now but i think it's also mother nature just being like time out you know like just time out man you mm -hmm. know like maybe we're not supposed to like fly to london in nine hours and you look at like the decrease in pollution in china right now from when it started and when it is now if a human being is going to change right you know speaking of the world needing us and us needing the world you know that decision to come back if a human being changes usually they have a traumatic event that shakes them out of their own ingrained pattern allows them to see their lives differently and they have an opportunity to shift their actual behavior it's basically saying there's a difference between who i think i am and who i'm actually showing up in the world and when you get that perspective then you can make a real change if you can't see it you can't do anything and a human being is the same thing as collective humanity and what we're doing right now is completely unsustainable like i am a capitalist but i'm a conscious capitalist this idea that we're still profiting off of other people's suffering we're profiting off the suffering of the planet and we're like completely okay with that you know i, I just think uh the the path that we're headed down is not great and climate change you know it doesn't give a fuck about our nations a virus doesn't give a fuck about our nations you know a climate change is actual existential for humanity and this virus can cause a lot of suffering a lot of suffering it has the potential to but it's not existential and it's a warning man it's like saying wake up you know th this because if we wake up in 20 years with the climate change thing it will be existential mm -hmm. and there there won't be any way to rewind it so i hope that we're all me included like listening to to this moment you know and if we're all gonna have to slow down for a while maybe we can listen to our own in, internal voice and our own collective voice to figure about how we want to move into the future it's that weird balance because you look at every bond villain and they justify some way that they're going to wipe out some amount of the earth's mm -hmm. population because it's necessary for the earth it's fucking thanos mm. from like that's true. from and like that's deep and it's and it's this idea and that's obviously a villain right because you can't you, we can't do that we right. can't decide that we can't hope for nor a, would we want that or would we, we want, want that. that we can't hope for a cataclysm or hope for a virus that's pathological and and 
immoral in, in every single way. But nonetheless, there's also an acknowledgement that there's a grain of truth in that that perhaps necessary is some kind of conflict. Now, I, I wish for a peaceful awakening of all of our hearts and minds Absolutely. as peaceful as possible where we can all get on that. But then there's this other part that's like, well, fuck, maybe that is what it takes. Well, it's just the same thing that we're acknowledging personally. It's just whatever happens, whether we understand it or not, no matter how difficult it is, and no matter what grieving period or suffering we're going to have to go through, ultimately you have to decide, well, did this happen to me or did this happen for me? And mm. find a way. And I'm saying that the individual is the same thing as collective humanity. And ultimately, I do believe that whatever is happening is of our own making. And Mother Nature has a mind and a heart as well. And, you know, I mean, we're just consumers, man. We just fucking consume everything, you know? And we're also unbelievably beautiful. Mm. And so both of those truths exist at the same time too. And we're either going to evolve or we're going to devolve. And what we're doing is unsustainable for ourselves first, because the planet's going to be fine. You know, if, if a spaceship showed up right now, we would all be human beings first. It's Independence Day. Yeah. We would look at each other. We'd be like <laughs> Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump. Nobody would care about anything anymore. All we would just be like. All the border lines would disappear. Yeah, man, all the separations would disappear. Everything. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm saying that these things are, they at least have the potential to bring us together. We should have more empathy for each other right now. That's why like when people use this as an excuse to be racist or like what, I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like this is the time to have empathy for all of us going through this human experience together. And uh, that's my hope. That's my hope is, is that no matter what is happening right now, it's something that actually allows us to see each other as, as one, uh, one human family. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful gift that I think you've given me, and hopefully a lot of this, the audience listening too, is this idea. Is I think we've, we can all understand on a personal level that the challenges that we've faced have led to something we're grateful for. Mm. But you have to really have faith in the universe, in this kind of collective intelligence, and in this collective ability to alchemize a collective challenge into collective growth to look at these things that are happening collectively and say like, okay, maybe we can be grateful for all this eventually, which just hasn't had, you know, we haven't had the space and the time yet. It was like when I got my mm. car wreck, I'm in the car wreck, my face is completely mangled and you I don't know why it happened. Yeah, it was gnarly. Yeah. But I, and, I, and at that point, the only thing I remember saying, you know, was like, I know this happened for me, I just don't know why yet. Mm. And so, the ability to look out at whatever might be happening and say like, well, I know this is happening for us. I just don't know why yet. Right. You know, that gives us kind of freedom to look at all of these different things without this crazy fear and anger and, and you know, blame and all of these things. And yeah, sure, there's things that are a fault and things that we can change, but understanding like, all right, like this is happening for us. Let's take the necessary actions collectively to learn from this. Right. You don't have to understand something to be grateful for it. Right. That's that's imaginary. Right. But it's a rule that most of us think we need to figure it out in order to find gratitude. We don't. 
yeah. you know, we can just find gratitude. And that's that's faith, man. That's yeah. just like trusting. And I think uh, and having that universal trust, that's an edge for me. Hmm. That's a growth edge for me because I still look at shit happening and I'm like, oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but not realizing that maybe if you look long enough, that's the necessary, those are the necessary steps. And me too, by the way. But when that happens, as we talked about earlier, yeah, I, th I feel like we've never not been talking. <laughs> I feel like we've <laughs> talked forever. My whole existence has just been this great conversation. But like, as we said earlier, it's just not taking it so seriously when it does happen so that I can allow myself the feelings of, oh, I was attached to something, I wanted something, it didn't live up to my expectation, however, blah, blah, blah. Feel the feelings and then return to faith. Yeah. Whether or not I understand. You know, I asked Paul Selig a question, who's uh, one of my spiritual mentors, and he talks a lot about the teachings of Christ, the deep mystical teachings mm. of Christ, that the Christ is within us all, and, and some of those you know, deep mystical truths of, of what his teachings were. And I asked him, and because Christianity, like you look at the history of that, there's been the Inquisition, there's mm. been the Crusades, there's right. been all of these wars and fighting and guilt and all of these ways that religion has manipulated these beautiful, beautiful words and teachings right. for really ugly, ugly, you know, results. Right. <clears throat> and I was like, so from and he has you know he he's a channel so he taps into you know guidance from the universe in his own way and in the guides and and i asked him i was like so this is a question that i have for you did did christ make a mistake did he like did he make a mistake in the way that he was delivering his teachings that it allowed his teachings to be bastardized into this thing that caused so many different forms of suffering what an interesting question that was an interesting question yeah. and he taps in he taps into the guides and he goes well we haven't given it enough time yet it's only been two thousand years like we can't make that assessment until the time has run all the way through right like and to think of that like oh wow maybe that maybe we're just looking at it from too short of a window right. to be grateful for all of it. You right. know, maybe like from 3,000 years from now, we'll understand exactly what Christ really meant yeah. and like all of the you know, aspects of the capital R religion, you know, those, those things melt away and that the purity of what that message was is actually going to be the greatest boon for our consciousness. Plus, I mean, in this reality that we're living in, time is still relative once you start to break beyond it. I mean, time is relative based on size and speed, you know? So that's even why this says if you change the present, you change the past and the future. You know, it's because time is relative. So if you change the present, you change your relationship with the past and you change what you're manifesting for the future. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's certainly people that think it's all one thing. So who knows? I mean, that's why if I was to talk to all of those different lives that I've lived from this point, or maybe if I was, you know, to talk to myself now from all the different lives that I will live, you know, I'd just be like, it's going to be all right, man. <laughs> yeah, man. That's, a, that's what I would tell my younger self. People are like, what would you, if you could go back and do any, everything different, what would you say? I'd be like, that's pretty much it. 
be like, it's going to work out, man. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. <laughs> that would yeah. be like really the only, the only piece of advice that, yeah. I would, that I would give my younger self. Like, enjoy it a little more, bud. Yeah. Like, it's going to be all right. Because none of the worrying is going to help. No. Nope. And it just takes us away from the magic of this experience. Right. You know, like, that's, uh, that would be it. Pretty simple. Yeah. Pretty simple advice. You want to bring us home with, a, with another poem? Yeah, man? sure, man. Okay. Um, I'm going to leave you with the breath one okay. that I said earlier because uh, it feels appropriate. Mm -hmm. There is nothing in life that you cannot breathe through except death. And since we're all alive, it means at least there's one breath left. So pull it deep into your chest, into your bones, into your breasts, into your blood, into your necks, into the mud, into the depth, until it hugs your souls and suffocates the space that you have left, until it tugs your heartstrings and leaves your molecules caressed. Just a few precious seconds right before eternal rest. Will you fight for your survival from this uninvited guest? Will you Rolodex your history to glamorize regrets or set your sights on new arrival and go sprinting up the steps? Me, I'll Revel in the wonder of the colors and the shapes. The way the light resembles floating diamonds dancing on the lake. I am nobody's mistake. But my existence wasn't planned. I had to sneak into the party. They were out of wristbands. Now I'm sinking towards the exit like it's made of quicksand. See, I got used to spinning my wheels but hit the kickstand. I want to truly view the world around me while I still can. I want to worship every flower giving prayers over the land. I want to open up my eyes so wide that what I see expands and the beauty beams so bright it overwhelms woman and man. Fuck a portal to the light. I want to scream. I want to fight. I want to eat and fucking drink. I want to touch. I want to think. I want to feel and taste and see. I want to live. I want to be. And I'd give anything but life because I'm dying to be me. I spend half my life trying to be anything but me. Now my afterlife is spying on my new reality. And I'm vying for another breath before he sets me free. I'm defying death with everything because death's defying me. I will rant. I will rave. I will spit. I will rage. I'll go barefoot on the sun or swim a sea of razor blades. I will grow. I will age, I will slow, I will fade, I'll sleep on hot coals or juggle chainsaws and live grenades. And though I know I'll never give up, in the end I'll give way. Hey, I'm sure there's someone else with something more important to say. But until then, I'm living each and every fucking day. So when I take a breath, I do it like I swear I'm here to stay. Learned fear can be overcome when you realize the voice inside your head is not yours. It's an imitation of the voices from before, repeating on a loop inside your quiet core, receiving since your youth when your choices weren't even yours. Perceiving was the proof, but reality has many doors, so why are we still fighting other people's wars? 
Learned fear can be overcome when you realize the voice inside your head is not yours. It's an imitation of the voices from before, repeating, repeating, repeating on a loop inside your quiet core, and you can't tell the difference because it sounds the same. But trust me when I tell you, most of what you think is from somebody else's brain. They have us trained, shackled by imaginary chains, imaginary rules for imaginary games. But they don't know the reasons either, so where should we place the blame? And who is they anyway when we're all the same? Our parents had parents, and their parents had parents. Apparently it hurts to see, so I'll be transparent. The world is so much bigger than your insecurities. And they don't speak on your behalf without your soul's authority. The world is so much bigger than your culture or community, and they don't speak on your behalf without your soul's authority. Because if it's all a story, then nobody else can tell it for me. Since I'm always transforming, I defy a category. When you do the same thing the same way, it's habit forming. But nothing in this land of woman and man is mandatory. It's all just transitory. Our world's a laboratory. Experimenting on today can change tomorrow morning. And since matter is mostly empty space... We're in a sea of consciousness where the boundaries are erased. So I stared at my reflection until I couldn't see my face. Then I picked myself and put the flowers in an empty vase. If you came for validation, then you're in the wrong place. The only certain satisfaction is becoming what you've chased. And there's no running from the inner voice. So it's important that you choose. But it's more important that you know you have a choice. You have a choice. Are you living someone else's life? You have a voice. Does it haunt you in the dead of night? Would you fly if you weren't convinced to be afraid of heights? And who convinced you anyway? They had no fucking right. No one can dim your light. You shine within so bright that you could blind the sun from sight and scare him back into the night. No one can dim your light. I said it twice because you're greater than the circumstances that surround your perfect life. You're not your nature or your nurture. You're a prototype, and if you hone it right, eventually you'll hack your satellite. At first, it's nothing. The nothing turns into a whisper. Turn the dial and it gets crisper in your transistor. Wait a while and the whisper turns into a scream. It overwhelms your system and you won't know what it means. But pump the volume up and it can tell you all your dreams till pretty soon it's the only voice you'll ever need. Now all you have to do is listen when you want to lead. Your fear disintegrates when you decide to stop and breathe. It's your authentic voice. No matter where you go, it never leaves. And that's God, no matter what religion you believe. I'm starting my own religion. And everyone is welcome. But nobody can join.
If you did, you'd miss the point. Woo! Well, if it's hummus that made you choose this life, brother, I'm fucking so grateful for hummus. Thank you, man. I love you, bro. I love you too, brother. So much. Yeah. This was amazing, man. And obviously, we've been talking about it, but get the book, everybody out there, and live your best life. Love love some people. Love yeah. it all. Learn. You're fuck. Can I just say one thing about you? Yeah. I just want to thank you out loud because, you know, I I genuinely appreciate our friendship, man. And I'm looking forward to many years of us moving through different stages and getting to meet up and sync and tell each other about our growth and inspire. Um, But also just you've developed a relationship with your audience, man, and they trust you. And so for you to trust me with this moment that's meaningful to me. I acknowledge it and I honor it and I appreciate it. And I wanted to say that out loud. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Easiest thing in the world. You know, <laughs> easiest thing in the world to welcome me in because it's pure medicine, man. There's just no doubt about that. So, yeah. And if you get the book, tag me. You know, let me know what you think. I'm at uh, NQ Life on Instagram and you can get the book at in-q.com. You know, we did it with uh, Harper One, who's like the spiritual division of Harper Collins. So they did like The Alchemist and Four Agreements and all these books that I'm a big fan of. So um, yeah, just definitely connect with me and uh, let me know. Do it. Thank you so much, brother. And thank you, everybody else. I love you guys. Peace. Thanks for tuning into this podcast with NQ. Once again, I want to remind you guys that the Fit for Service applications are open for trimester two, and I can't wait to give you guys a hug in Tahoe and hear from you and connect with you online. So we're excited to welcome in the new members. So definitely check that out. It's aubreymarcus.com slash fit for service. And of course, check out NQ's book, Inquire Within, and get the Audible. It's amazing. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you next week.